Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. Practical Guide to Prayer was a bestseller. Then late 80s, God took me into the prophetic. And then they didn't love me so much anymore. But you know, we began to start teaching on, you know, we taught on life. We taught on groaning. Uh, We began to teach on perfection, the love of God. This now became the emphasis. So by the end of of the century, so by 1995, because Jesus was actually born about 4 BC, began to talk about cleansing, perfection, the re- total removal of the sin nature. These things, you know, started to become, and that season was fulfilled. Then the third season came in, which is what we're in now, which is the in-gathering. And for the first, from about 2000, I was say about, I didn't hear you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about, because it's a shadow. That's how to correctly interpret the scripture. So about 2000, you know, was actually 1995. In fact, our website started 2001. And that was the same year that this thing happened, um, 9-11. You know, began to emphasize these things and teach these things. Then, you know, if, if you look at my ministry, I yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me, you see an emphasis. If you came to scripture pasture, you know, from the 80s into the 90s into the 2000s, you will see this emphasis. The first one was life, teaching about Zoe and the life of God. And we use it basically for healing and deliverance and, you know, uh, and prosperity. And people loved it. Then from there, we started teaching about groaning and travail, prayer. To cause the Christ to be formed in you. Then from there, we now moved to teaching on perfection. And then began to emphasize, 2003, keeping yourself in love of God. Emphasize the perfection of the love of God. What was God doing? And it's not just me alone, but at least I was a part of that. So I can talk about my own personal experience. God was taking the church to get the ingathering of the fruit of the Spirit. Because that's the season we're in. We're in a season of ingathering. And that's been going on now for about 20 years. About 23, you know. So the next season we're going to kick into now is the season of the ingathering of the nations. But the equipment with which to do that is the spirit without measure in manifestation, which is what we are all eagerly waiting for and expecting now. Because the prerequisite for that is the fruit of the spirit. It's when you, as you perfect the love of God, then God can trust you with the spirit without measure that will now bring in the harvest of the nations. I taught all of this in in the the, the 1980s into the 1990s. But today, I'm now going to add something that I didn't emphasize at that time, which is the times and the season of the perfection of the church. And I'm going to start with the Lord Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said when he was here? He said, 
Go and tell that fox. This is Luke chapter 13, verse 32. Everybody go to Luke chapter 13, verse 32. Talking about Herod. He said, Behold, I cast out devils and do cures. Today, tomorrow, and the third day I will be perfected. What's he talking about? He was not talking about three 24-hour days. And he wasn't talking about himself. Jesus had no devils to cast out of himself. <laughs> you know? He was, you know, I, I know he, he, was, he was casting out devils in his ministry and he was healing people, you know. But he says, the third day I will be perfected. So we get from this a revelation that it is in the third millennium. Now this is where I'm going to bring in something new today. Be, from the birth of Christ, which is 5 B.C., That the church will be perfected. Perfection could not have come earlier. Because the revelation of it, the knowledge of it, the wisdom of it could n was not available. It was in the scriptures, you know, it, it, the, the, the New Testament writers put it inside the scriptures. But that it, a lot of it was not understood. By the time the first apostles died, all of them died and John died, there was, you know, Nobody really understood what they were talking about. Then the scriptures were in the monasteries for a thousand years, the dark ages. Then there was the re reformation of the church in 1517, Martin Luther. Then the Wesley revivals in England. You know, they got a little bit of insight, but the revel because they hadn't got baptized the Holy Spirit, you see. And that didn't come until 1900. So the, the revelation of perfection, the clarity of it, you know, was not available, you know, until... This third day. Now, this third day he's talking about is a 1,000-year period. Like I said, we're going to go back to Peter. Now, everybody go to Second Peter. This, I'm going to really uh, spend a little bit of time here. Second Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse, uh, verse 4. Uh, I, I shall actually back up, you know. <clears throat> I'll read from verse 1. I was going to, but it's so important. And there is a reason why Peter wrote this thing. I'll explain to you as we go along. Give you a little bit of background. You know, Peter expected Jesus to come in his lifetime. Peter, James, all of them. They were thinking he was going to come back and destroy the Roman Empire, you know, Pontius Pilate and all the emperors that he's going to come and deal with and then he restore Israel. They saw him as a military messiah, like David. That's why it's called the son of David, that they expected. So this was what they were expecting. And when he was caught up, that's what they were asking him. Then five years went by, 10 years went by. 20 years went by, 30 years went by, 40 years. He's not come. What's going on? Then God began to give them revelation. And by the time Peter is writing this letter, he has come to the understanding, like Paul, that he was, it was not going to happen in his lifetime. He said, that's why I, he said, I, I, I'm writing this second epistle. In which I want to stir up your pure minds, knowing that shortly I'm going to put off this tabernacle. So he knew by revelation that he was not going to be alive when Jesus is going to come back. 
He said, but I want you to understand what's going to happen in the end time so that like Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, that day will not come upon you like a thief. You will not know the exact day and hour, but you will understand the time and seasons perfectly, completely. So you will know what season you're in and what you should be doing and how to be ready so that that day will not overcome you like a thief, which is uh, what I, yet not I, by the grace of God, I am doing in this prophetic apostolic teaching. You need to understand that. Uh, and and it's, like I said, that's why I called it a landmark message. So, Peter now says, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, this second epistle, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Beloved. If you are beloved, give me a wave offering. If anybody near you has their way around, you, you tell them that God is talking to you. Okay. I now write unto you, in both which, you know, he had, there's the first epistle, the second epistle. You know, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know, they've taught these things. They, 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 these guys, let's give Peter and Paul a great clap offering. They, they did a good job. They, they were able to teach their people that is not now. It's not now. That's why Paul told them about the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. He said, don't let anybody disturb you that the day of Christ is at hand. He said, for that day cannot come until they come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. He, he said, remember how I taught you all of those things? For Peter too. They, they, God gave them revelation, clarity on concerning these things and they taught them. He says, that you might be, by way of remembrance, verse 2, that you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. See how he places the Old Testament prophets and the authority of the New Testament apostles on the same level. In other words, what you read in the Old Testament is prophecy, it's, it's God's word, it's the prophetic word, and what we are writing to you is also the prophetic word. He also says that about Paul's letters. He says, it's difficult to understand. He said, you know, many things that are hard to understand. He said, which the un unlearned and unstable, he said, rest the scriptures unto their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. He called Paul's letters scripture. They understood that they were writing scripture. And of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, this is the warning I want to give to the church today. Knowing this first, that they will come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, let me make this contextual and contemporary. E.W. Kenyon is dead. John Wesley is dead. Gordon Lindsay is dead. Kenneth Hagen is dead. S.G. Elton is dead. All these prophets 
And all, if you saw Smith Wigglesworth is dead. All these people are prophesying. There's going to come a move of God at the end time. The glory of God. Where is the promise? And there are a lot of scoffers in the church today. That's why I'm preaching this message. And I'm also preaching so that those who are tempted to become scoffers, because the manifestation has not yet happened, that they will not fall into that error. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Some people say, ah, you know, ah, all these manifestations sons of God. Pileton preached it. You know, Smith preached it. Kenneth Hagin preached it. They're all dead. Nothing has happened. And everything is just like it was, you know, like it was in 1950 or 1970 or 1980. It's the same thing, you know. In fact, no, there's no such thing. Let me just, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I've seen this thing happen because I've been around for about 40, 40 something, 43 years. You know, 44 years. I got born again in 1979. You know, I saw this same thing happen in 1983. Kenneth Hagen, oh, a, a clap offering for Kenneth Hagen. Brought powerful prophetic word about the end time. He brought some in 1975, some in 76, some in 77. I heard one in 1979 in John Austin's church in Lakewood, Texas. All of us were sitting on our... Everybody was thinking it's going to happen in two or three years' time. All of us. Even Kenneth Hagen. You know, there's one reason why they started Bible Training Center to train, you know, people so that they would be able to move with the end-time move of God. But lo and behold, 83, 84... Nothing happened at that level. So you know what happened? Many people now took the emphasis. It happened here also in Nigeria. My wife will remember. My wife got born again in 1983. And she used to go to uh, IVCU, you know, before I met her before. We started scripture pastor in 1984. You know, you could hardly go to any meeting. Tokumbo Salami, you too, you remember. You know, you could hardly go to any meeting where there will not be a prophecy. And it will be end time. It will be the glory of God. People like Fred Adegoke, you know, uh, Brian Miko was a, a, a forerunner, you know, Friday Beki, all these, you know, uh, Joseph Olani Waju came here to preach some time ago, Sunday Shenwa, and many like that. You know, everybody was talking about end time, the glory of God. You know, I can never forget, you know, uh, you, uh, Numbers chapter 21. As I live, said the Lord, the earth will be filled with my glory. These were the things that we were all emphasizing and preaching. But lo and behold, there was no manifestation of the glory. So people turned their emphasis and they turned their, this thing to materialism. Okay, Jesus is coming, but we don't know when he's coming. So in the meantime, we must eat and we must drink. So I'm going to use my faith for prosperity and for healing. And you know what? It derailed the church. That's why I'm preaching this. By the grace and the mercy of God, I not I, I yet not I, but the grace of God which is me, I, with a prophetic and an apostolic something. You know, because, you know, it's derailed the church. The, the, this, some of these men, you know, 
they were all on the cutting edge. And I now know what happened. You see, at that time, the majority of the church was on the campus. We hadn't started churches. We all started in 84, 85. We were one of the first to start. Myself, David Oedekbo, and um, Tunde Jordan in Lagos, you know, were the first three to, that started in Nigeria here. Then there were others who came up later, you know. Uh, and, 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 and people were just, you know, grow your church, have large numbers, get people healed, get prosperous. And those things were not wrong. But Pa Wonders, S.G. Elton. Let's give Pyleton a super clap offering. The first person I heard teach on prosperity was Elton. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 9, 8. He taught it in 1977. I wasn't even born again then. I only heard the tape. They had a CSSM conference in Joss. And I can never forget it. You know, Pyleton said, God wants you to be a millionaire. That time a millionaire was a big thing. You know, he said, God wants you to be rich. He said, Jesus became poor that you might be rich. He said, but not to use on your lusts. I can never forget, Pa. He said, no. He said, what is the purpose of the riches? To distribute to the necessity of the saints. So, Pilton was not against prosperity. He preached prosperity. He practiced prosperity. God blessed him. He was here in Nigeria. He had no support. He had left the apostolic faith. They weren't giving him money. It was people like Gordon Lindsay. And T.L. Osborne, you know, and others who used to send money from America in dollars to Pa Elton that sustains his ministry for the last 50 years of his ministry. He, he left the apostolic faith in the late 40s after the latter rain movement. In 1948, he came back, started preaching gifts of the spirit, you know, uh, the, the, apostle, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the, 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 the ministry gifts and these deeper things of the kingdom. They kicked him out of his denomination. He had no money. But God raised people up. So, Pa had a lot of money. He just he didn't spend it on himself. You know, he had a lot of money from America, had a lot of money from England, and he would distribute it and, and help the brethren. So, Pa Elton taught us, he said, this prosperity message would destroy the church in the years to come the way they are going about it. He wasn't against prosperity. The Bible says, you know, it's the will of God for us to prosper. He said, but they that will be rich shall fall into a snare and to many foolish and hurtful loss, which will drown men in destruction and perdition. God gave my wife a revelation. This is 1992, 91, 92. That would be 31 years ago, you know, on the, the prosperity trap. That was when scripture Bible became unpopular. When we started talking prophetic, we still preached prosperity, but it was no longer our emphasis. People began to go to where they would tell them what they want to hear, having itching ears. So, what happened? This is what Peter said here. So, I've seen this thing happen. They'll say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is all this glory? All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of. Everybody say, willful ignorance. I didn't hear you. There is an ignorance that comes because 
of your will, your, your, because of your will. Remember the illustration, because of time I'm not going to go there. There is a, there is a, the, the, your, your spirit, your soul is clothed with your brain, is up here. And there is a wall, a dividing wall between your, your spirit and your soul. You see that in Hebrews chapter 4. But there is a gateway between your spirit and your soul. But that gateway is manned by your will. When you are willing, Jesus said, if you are willing to do the will of God, he said, you will know. If you are not willing, you will not know. So you are ignorant because of the stubbornness of your will. That's why it's called willful ignorance. They are ignorant, not because it's not the will of God for them to know, but because they don't want to know. They are not willing to do the will of God. So their minds and their hearts is closed to the light and the revelation of God's word that otherwise would have entered into their soul to bring them revelation. There are many people like that in the church today. All they want is to use the word of God for their lusts. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it is spoken of here. He says, for this, verse 5, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth stand out of the water and in the water. He's talking about this even uh, uh, before the flood of Noah. You know, when Lucifer rebelled, the Bible says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Where did the waters come from? From the rebellion, you know, and, and when God, you know, judged that rebellion. By, whereby... The world that then was being overflowed with water perished. This is not Noah. This is before Noah. This is the time of Lucifer. But the heavens and the earth, oh, I didn't hear you, which are now, this is prophetic teaching. And I let me just say this. You know, Peter said this in, sec, in this second, second Peter in chapter one. I'm just going to quote it. You know, he said, when we were with Jesus on the holy mountain, we heard the voice from heaven. Which said, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. Then, you know what Peter said? He said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. Visions and dreams are important in their place. And God used them to build up the Old Testament scriptures. But now in the New Testament, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Isaiah 8 says, you know, he says, if they speak not according, he says, to those who peep and mutter, familiar spirits, he says, if they speak not according to this word, he said, it's because there's no light in them. The real, authentic uh, 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 um, standard of prophetic truth is the Bible. It's not visions or dreams. It cannot be overemphasized. So he says here, he says, uh, 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 um, verse 7. But the heaven and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store and reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition or destruction of ungodly men. This earth that we are on in now, and these heavens and the planets and Jupiter and all that, everything is going to be burnt up. And then God is going to do a new heaven and a new earth. And I like what he says in the book of Revelation, you know, or Isaiah, one of the places. He says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Because this whole place has been contaminated with the sin nature. So God is going to destroy it. He's going to take us to the third heaven where he is. Then he's going to do a renovation 
of the present heavens and the earth with fire, then he's going to bring new heavens and new earth, which we're going to inhabit for eternity. A clap offering for the Lord. So don't get in love with this world. And don't die for the monkeys and the gorillas. You are trying to save the world that is going to be destroyed. How foolish. He said, but beloved, be not ignorant. Now that's where I want to get to. The, the destruction, so it, it, another one is still coming in front. But beloved, be not ignorant. This is because Peter himself had been taught by the Lord. So he was trying to teach it to his people of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. You now go back to what Jesus said. He said, the third day I will be perfected. He's not talking about a, 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 a 24-hour period. He's talking about a thousand. So Peter could see ahead by the Spirit that Jesus is not coming back now. You're looking about 2,000 years and more down the road. Because he was not, he's not going to come back at two days. I'm going to do that next week. I can't do it today because time is gone. You know, I'll just mention it. You know, he says after two days he will revive us. And then in the third day he will raise us up. It's the third millennium. This one we're in now. All these things are going to take place in this third millennium. As a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. So when he looks as if, ah, we've been preaching this thing for 20 years, 30 years, you know, 40 years, nothing has happened. You know, the Bible said, the Lord is not slack. I didn't hear you. Concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The day of the Lord, when it comes, is going to come as a twedged sword. It's going to come with glory and it's going to come with judgment. And when God seems to delay, it's not because he's slack. It's because he wants to give more room for people to change. That's the real reason. Let me give you a hypothetical thing. If Jesus came tonight, how many people would go? Let me bring it home. If Jesus came tonight, will you go? <laughs> Make it personal now. Say, Pastor, how do I know? Do you watch and pray always? If it's no, you don't go. <laughs> it's, as, it's really that simple. I didn't write the Bible. Jesus said so. He said, take heed that that day does not come upon you unawares. Say, watch and pray always. Watch this. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep statement, honey, that you may be accounted worthy. It means God is gauging each person. Each individual is being assessed. That you, everyone, including Zolubi Johnson talking, that you may be accounted worthy to escape the tribulation. And stand, which is the rapture, before the Son of Man. It means it's not going to be everybody. So, don't you never say, thank God he's not coming tonight. 
gives me more time. Say it. Open your mouth. To prepare better. You should be glad he's not coming. And he hasn't yet come. Amen. Verse 10. We're going to get up to verse 12. And I'm going to close there. Then next week, we're going to now look at the third day at two levels. See, there's a third day from Jesus' birth. And then there's a third day from the birth of the church. See, the church was actually born about A.D. 29. We would have said 33. But because it's 5 B.C., you go back. You know. So, and here, here, we're in 2023. So there's going to be, I'll deal with this more next week, an overlap between the third day from Jesus and the third day from the church. Don't you say, come next week. Now, verse 11. Uh, <clears throat> uh, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in what? All holy conversation and God. You should not be attached to this world. You should not be attached to your car and your house and all these things. You know why? Use them. God gave them to you. He says, gives us all things to enjoy richly. Use them, enjoy them, but don't be attached to them because when you go, you're not taking them with you. Number one. Number two, when you go, they are all going to be burnt up. All things are going to be dissolved. So that is why materialism is a gross sin and covetousness. It is foolishness at the highest level. Verse 12. And this is where we're going to close. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and all the elements melt with fervent heat. The, uh, 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 other trans the modern translation, I think it's the Amplified as well as the, um, uh, 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 the New International Version. Amplified says, While you wait earnestly for the coming of the day of God by reason of which the flaming heavens will be dissolved. The um, New International Version is better. It says, As you look forward to the day of God and what? Speed is coming. I say speed is coming. So the day is not fixed. What we are doing or not doing can either hasten it or it can delay it. Stand to your feet. You've got to close. That is why it's a shadow. See, your shadow can either be longer or shorter than the substance, depending on the amount of light and where the light is coming from. Have you noticed that as the day goes to the end, and the sun is coming down, the shadows get longer. Then, towards the zenith of the day at noon, in the mornings, the shadows get shorter. It all has spiritual implications. Because the sun is a type of, of God. You know, uh, Jesus is the son of righteousness. Depending on the light you're receiving, you know, if, if, the, if the shadow, watch this, if the shadow is shorter, it means it's going to take you a longer time to fulfill your destiny. If the shadow is longer, that it means that you're going to take a shorter time. No? Wow. <laughs> there are 
that means that if you have received more light, you see, by the end of the day, the sun has been shining for a longer time. So you've got more light, you can hasten things faster. Go and think about it. Well, that's why I preached Proverbs chapter 2 in the morning. Apply your heart to understanding. Don't just take it. Go and find out. Go to the Bible yourself. Look at shadows. If you like, Google it. Why is the shadow longer in the night? And ask yourself. Then you become clear in your thinking. So speed it's coming. So that's what we need to be doing now. We need to be speed to speed the coming of the perfection of the church. That's going to bring the spirit, the manifestation of the spirit without measure. That will now bring in the harvest of the nations. Which will now bring the rapture of the man-child. Not the whole church. That's another controversial thing. We preached that too 30 years ago. Not the whole church that's going. Go and check Revelation chapter 12. The church had three parts. There was a woman clothed with a son. Then she, had, she was traveling and gave birth to a man-child. And then her feet was on the moon. So you've got the man-child, you've got the woman, and then the moon is also a part of the church because the moon is reflecting the, the, the light of the sun. You're looking at the hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. All in the Bible. It's all there. Let's talk to God. Speed, it's coming. Speed, it's coming. If there is a delay, it is the mercy of God in operation. It means he wants more of us to be ready. He said, God is not, he's not slack. -o. He said, not willing that any should perish. Paul got to understand this. Peter got to understand it. Then they wrote it for their people and taught their people. He's not coming next week. He said, don't let anybody disturb you. That Jesus is coming next week, you know, by trouble of mind or by spirit. He said, for that day will not happen. He said, remember not when I was with you and I told you these things. You know, and then John, the apostle, God gives him far greater clarity in the book of Revelation about the man of sin and the, the revealed a little bit to Daniel. That's where Paul picked it from. Then John now really expanded it, you know, in, in Revelation, you know, explaining, you know, the, 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 the tribulation season. Well, all that is still, what is important now is for us to get the church perfected so that we can have a sufficient number of us a threshold voltage to, to, to bring this glory down. So we can move to part phase two. We, we're in phase one now. We brought in the harvest of the fruit of the spirit. The perfection of the love of God. We got that. We've got that one. But we now need the harvest of the nations. But we can't do that without the glory of God. Isaiah 60. Only the glory of God can bring in the harvest of the nations. Let's talk to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Am I talking to anybody? Hmm. Next week, we're going to look at, you know, Luke 13, 32. We're going to look at 
Hosea 6.2, after two days, understand it in this present prophetic content. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.